This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Okay, guys, we are joined today by Roy Moore, who is a fellow Taekwondo instructor and uh, student. So, welcome to the podcast, Roy. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yes, how are you? <laughs> no, listen, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you, you are somebody that I follow quite sort of diligently on your your Facebook and your your Instagram posts and stuff, and somebody who I've actually been. Uh, really keen to have on because I just love the stuff that you I love the stuff that you, you put out there you're just you just come across as a really uh, pure student and, and exponent of, of the martial arts which I which I really love how, how long have you been doing uh, Taekwondo for? Uh, taekwondo itself uh, just over 25 years um, this year pre everything going <laughs> the way it has done yep, yep. Uh, back in March I think it was I got, um, was presented with a nice certificate um, and that from the club for uh, to be with the same instructor for that entire time as well, 25 years. Um, yeah, I've done other stuff before that, but yeah, Taekwondo's, yeah, yeah, 25 years. So I've well, on to this. That's, that's probably a really good place to, to start the podcast. Why don't you, you take a few moments and just go through your, your sort of introduction to martial arts and then, sure. and then the, the, the history of what you've done? Um, really, I started with uh, judo. Um, the uh, <laughs> kind of strange story. I, I was a badly asthmatic child, uh, really badly. Uh, ended up in hospital a lot from, you yeah. know, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, around about 12 years old, um, I, I wanted to try and make a change. Um, I, I didn't enjoy pee at school, anything like that, because I couldn't breathe. Um, I, I wasn't very good at team sports. Being, if you, if you know me, I'm five foot tall. Um, I'm bigger now than I was then, but not by much. Uh, so uh, I was uh, also born in Canada. Um, well, mom, my accent doesn't sound like it now. I'm actually Canadian. Um, so when I was five or six years old, moved to the country in, in, in Scotland, uh, out past Afford. And uh, quite a big culture change there from a school with, uh, I think we had around about 100 people in my year at school in Canada, yeah. divided across multiple classes, to the school I went to, I had 19 people in, seven of which were in my year. Um, <clears throat> I was I had my Wayne Gretzky action figure, talking about ice hockey and stuff like that. They were playing with tractors and talking about football, um, both of which I knew nothing about and didn't really care for. Um, it wasn't... Terrible, but it was definitely a culture change. I didn't naturally fit in. Um, it took quite some time before I found myself, uh, martial arts being the reason for that. Yep. But the uh, as I kind of got a little bit older, up to the, let's say 12 or 13 years old, um, I remember copying my dad just doing some uh, some basic weights, uh, weightlifting style thing. Um, bought a 30 quid set of plastic York dumbbells. And yep, yep. I, I, reasonably quickly on, being a teenager, even... 
um, with my limited knowledge, I started showing some gains and kind of getting noticed for, hey, you, you put on some muscle, as opposed to you're the one that dies every time he tries to breathe, um, which was a, a nice change, you know? Um, around about the same time, my, my brother, um, who at that age was, he could have gone either way. <laughs> he went a good way, thankfully. But I, yeah, he was a bit of a handful. He was at the local youth club. And uh, just a bit cheeky, nothing, nothing bad, but a bit, bit cheeky to the one of the uh, women that helped run it. Yeah. And she, in jest, said, you say that again, I'm going to put you on your backside. Joking, but seriously. So he went, all right. So he called her bluff, not knowing that she was the, uh, the judo coach's wife. She did a little hit throw, gently placed him on his backside. And uh, he thought that was funny. Um, the That woman and her husband uh, turned out to be our judo coaches. Um, and they also went out their way um, in, a, in a brilliant way to bring us into that family. They used to pick us up and take us to the judo every week and stuff. My brother's life changed from that point. Judo was his thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's very good at judo. Um, I, he went to that for about a year or so, just kept on coming home and trying it on me and stuff. Uh, I wasn't ready for it then. But eventually my, my dad had kind of said, well, you know, you can do some weights now. You're, you're, you're getting fitter. You're getting stronger. Maybe it's time to try that. So I went, okay, and I tried it. I actually really liked it. Um, I didn't think I was going to, as I was still using the inhaler. If I get thrown on my back, it was not great. Yep, yep. But reasonably quickly, again, I started finding success in something new that was that was mine um which is quite fun i was i was never brilliant at judo but i was i was pretty good um i still am pretty good i like to think um the uh yes yeah, so we started grading up and competing again my brother was the superstar with judo but i was decent um I was holding my own and uh yeah that that really was the start the seeds of of martial arts um Meanwhile, I remember my dad, he, he came home from a car boot sale um, with a box of uh, VHS cassettes. And I had about 10 Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in it. Um, I think Enter the Dragon was also in there. There's a few other martial art classics. Yeah. So my dad, knowing that at the time I was 14 or 15, um, these were all 18 rated movies. He watched them all and then went, there's nothing in there that I can't see. Allowed us to watch them. So immediately I started copying the kicking. Um, it was always about the kicking. Uh, I was like that. That's that's for me. Yeah. Um, I went to the library, got out all the books I could. Um, my dad noticed I had a particular interest in this, um, and one weekend, again from a car boot sale, came home with a copy of the Complete Martial Artist Volumes One and Two from uh, Grandmaster Hill Cho. Yeah, yeah. That was the start. That was the true start. Judo was huge, and it's always been a part of my my history, but. That there, that, those photos of uh, Grandma's the show, the big kicks and the long flowing locks and the muscle and everything he did in there, I was like, wow, I want more of that. The, the color inserts in them books were phenomenal. Yeah. But equally, I devoured them cover to cover. Uh, I looked out for everything else. So then got the, the uh, Mana Contrasts and all, all the other books that came from there. Um, but unfortunately, where I was, there was no Taekwondo, there was no karate for a good while. There was, there was only Judo. Yeah, so right. I kept on at that. Um, the uh, a few years later, there was a karate club opened up for a little while, Shurikan Karate, um, but it never really got the level of uh, attendance that it needed, so it folded. Um, otherwise, I, I could have probably stayed at that. It didn't have the kicking I wanted, okay. but it was it was close. Um, and it wasn't until a, a few years later when I, I went to university 
um, age 20, something like that. And uh, coincidentally, uh, a person sat down next to me, was just chatting during one of the breaks, and he said, uh, oh, I started Taekwondo last night. I was like, right, I always wanted to do that. Where? You tell me. And uh, helpully, he had a flyer with him, reaching my instructor, and uh, jumped my kick through six inches of wood. Uh, that's cool. That's exactly what I want. So the next night, I went across and uh, tried Taekwondo. Um, I spoke to my instructor. Well, I spoke to the person at that point. It was my instructor at that point. Um, said, uh, you know, I'd always been interested in this stuff. I've done judo and the like, but it was grandma so he'll choose books, and that's why I want to try Taekwondo. And he's flipped through. He happened to have a copy of the encyclopedia with him. Uh, He's usually got one of the books on him. And uh, there was a picture of Grandmaster Cho in, in the encyclopedia being in the demo teams for the IDF back then. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. And from that, he explained that his instructor's instructor was Grandmaster Riki Ha, and, you know, here's the rest of the demo team and stuff. And I thought, okay, this looks legit. Um, let's give this a go. And, yeah, 25 years later, here I am. Um, Isn't it wonderful how... Uh most people that you, most people like, like you and I have been in martial arts for 20, 30, 35 years. Uh, most of our stories started with uh, some element of struggle. And it's, 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 uh, it's very common it's to, to hear someone like yourself say, I had bad asthma or yeah. I had something which was, which maybe yeah. was detrimental to you starting playing football or rugby or or yeah. something, and then there's a home for everybody in martial arts, don't yeah, you think? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was bullied. Um, it wasn't horrendous. I've seen worse. But I was certain I was uh, not until fourth year of school, something like that, um, in secondary, before I started really becoming Roy. Up to that point, I was just that guy in the background, you know? Um, again, judo was the reason that changed. I started having enough confidence to look someone in the eye and say, no, you know, up till then, the funny accent, the no interest in the club sports, the team sports. Uh, my school wasn't brilliant for different sports. Mm -hmm. You play football, you could play uh, field hockey. That was about it, really. I didn't care about either of them. I still don't, particularly. Um, in fourth year, my judo coach started doing, the, we had a leisure period on a Friday afternoon, mm -hmm. and he asked if I'd like to assist and just do judo every week. And I was like, well, of course, that, that's much better. <laughs> Um, so the benefit of that is I was getting to throw around fellow school students. Um, I think I was a blue belt all the time. I wasn't brilliant, but I was a lot better than they were. So again, some of these skills started looking like I knew what I was doing. Again, that, that spread around. I, thought, I wouldn't say I got a reputation, but there was some positive stuff there. Um, certainly being the size I am, and that, yeah, that was before I did any weights and stuff. I was about that big back then. Um, yeah, there, there was bullying. There was a lot of that kind of stuff. My parents are English. I was in a, you know, Scottish school in the country. That doesn't necessarily go down the well, or didn't then. Um, yeah, the, it took a bit of, yeah. The, the martial arts definitely changed that. Not just because it started hitting things or people. Um, there was a few, don't get me wrong, but mostly it was uh, the confidence to be able to say no and that all the stuff that we teach, you know. Yeah. Um, as you say, the, the kids are the people with that struggle. The, the difference it can make to them is, is huge. And how, you know, I know a part of your story and the, the similar, you know, yeah, for, similar, but a shared experience, you know. For, for sure, it's, it's one of the things that, I think it's one of the things that 
always and will always join us as well. Uh, we all, we all, not everybody, obviously, but most people have that uh, that common factor of of coming, as I said, from. And again, we're not talking about life-changing struggles all the time, but yeah. it can be as little as I didn't fit in here, but I found a home. There's a family there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we, we, we don't share an association, but we share Taekwondo and we share martial arts. And it's, it's always, you're always going to have friends yeah. just, just because of that, that common yeah. factor. Uh, I was going to see, we, we, uh, Roy and I, for, for any of the people that are watching or listening, have not, well, I'm going to contradict myself slightly here. We've not physically met, but we have because uh, you've already mentioned Grandmaster Cho there. And we were obviously in the same seminar yeah. uh, the last time he was here in Scotland. Uh, well, let, let's have a, a quick chat about Grandmaster Cho before we get through some of the amazing other martial artists that you've in, encountered over the years. How, how has Grandmaster Cho influenced you over, over your time in Taekwondo? Uh, Grandmaster Cho is a, an early one. Um, one of the earliest uh, influential videos we had was Best of the Best. Of course. Which is still one of my favorite film. You know, it's it's phenomenal. And uh, I remember probably about the 30th time I was watching that, I suddenly went, hey, I know him, because <laughs> I'd read the books by then. Um, and of course, here's uh, Gamma Sachu uh, as the Korean coach. Yeah. And uh, yeah, simple stuff like that. But really, those books were my first instructor for, for kicking and punching stuff. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. I was copying. I mean, the suspended splits and stuff was because of him. Uh, Bruce Lee's a huge influence, but Grandmaster Cho and those books were were really my first instructor. Um, I would. I had uh, uh, my dad had a double garage. Um, I had judo mat stand and a hanging punch bag. Yeah. And I would go out there every night with those books and say, "Right, here's a psychic. Can I be hitting that thing hundreds and hundreds of repetitions?" And um, I was obsessed by it. And uh, that was long before I had a true physical instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, was down to uh, Grandmaster Cho's books. I never had the funds to buy his VHS series. I've got a couple of them now because um, yeah, I collect this stuff. But yeah, it was pre-internet. So you couldn't uh, go on the internet and check these things out. Yep, yep. Um, you know, as uh, different books that appear in the library, um, I, I didn't have disposable income until I, I had a job. Well, in my twenties, so that was when I started buying my own books and stuff. So there's car boot sale finds and stuff like that. But the power was was probably my first thing from Grandmaster Cho. Um, the, he didn't necessarily do stuff because it looked pretty. Yeah, it could look phenomenally pretty as well. As I said, the photographs in the Hawaii with the the water in the background and the long flowing hair and it's it's stunning. Um, I will have posters in this dojang one of these days. Um, You know, because they they were hugely influential. But everything that he did just screened power. It had to work, otherwise, kind of throw it away. Which I really believe in. That that's a core part of what I teach myself. I mean, I've got a tattoo here. It's just power. That's what it is. Um, and that was probably my, my earliest influence for, for real Taekwondo. And, uh, um, yeah, for, for the kicking and, 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 and the realism. Um, yeah. I think one of, the, one of, our, one of my friends, I, I don't know if, 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 if you actually know him sort of personally, but is uh, the GTF technical director, Stephen Gale. 
Yeah, I know. I've, I think I've met him once. Uh, certainly, uh, I know yeah. the name. Uh, he always quotes Grandmaster Cho when he says, because he was on the same seminar, mm. and we're now talking about an ITF practitioner like yourself, a GTF practitioner like uh, Mr. Gellers, and myself as an AMA practitioner, uh, all, all brought together at that seminar. And anytime, anytime we're talking, uh, Stephen always mentions the Grandmaster standing there and saying, uh, train together, learn together. And I don't think that's, and something that I really wanted to chat to you about actually, I don't think it's a, an attitude or, or, a, or, a, or a feeling that, that's, that's there enough in martial arts. Uh, and especially, dare I say it, in, in, in Taekwondo, uh, yeah. if you were in, in, in Hamilton or, or Larko or Glasgow, my areas, yeah. you were driving by and you wanted to train, you would be more than welcome. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what badge you had on. And the fact that, well, you've come into my life that way, uh, the GTF and Mr. Gale came into my life that way, all, all because of Grandmaster Cho, really. And all yeah. because of that attitude of, of, of being and that that's been a big part of probably the last ten years or so of my taekwondo, but but probably longer really. Certainly, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that there's technical differences between how we do things. Yeah. Um, because uh, the people in charge are, are, are have come a different path. Um, but there's at least an eighty percent overlap. Yeah. You know, and and that that's true of pretty much anyone I train with. You know. There's been very, very few people that I've met and thought, you've got nothing to say to me. Um, and uh, there's been one or two, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to name any names, but, uh, you know, the, the, but in almost every room you can walk in, you can learn from someone. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I'm a student first and foremost. I do teach, I am an instructor, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still walking the path, you know, I'm trying to learn. Um, like I say, I think you and I could stand side by side, both perform po on. Yours is gonna look different from mine because, you know, sine wave and all the other things and yep, you know, yep. we don't need to get into. Yep. But yours is gonna be strong, be powerful. Mine will be strong and powerful. Mine will be right for the badge I wear. Yours is right for the badge you wear. But equally, I guarantee you could say, well, let me try it like this and put in a bit of that. And I could say, well, how about, you know, and I, yeah, I've not met someone that's 100% uh, got everything right yet. Um, so I'm pretty close to it. Um, and equally, uh, I certainly don't have 100%. So, you know, like I say, uh, eternally a student. Um, it's the best way to be. Um, yeah. And again, that's one of the things that's, 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 that, that, that's one of the things that's actually most appealing about you, Roy, to be 100% honest. That, that comes, as I say, obviously we were together on Grandmaster Cho's seminar many years ago. But even just from getting to know you as well as you can from following people on social media. Uh, yeah. That's one of the most appealing and, and, and humbling things that, that comes across is the, the attitude of learning from everybody, including everybody, uh, yeah. building things together. Yeah. I guess it's, as it's, it's lovely to see, if I'm being honest, it's, it's a really... It, it can be difficult. Some of it sounds a bit cliched. You know, well, obviously in martial arts, we talk about doing these things. So occasionally I find myself going, am I just repeating the, the words in a book or, or these ideals, but equally some of them are ideals and there's nothing wrong with trying to live by them and then trying to do these things. Um, certain, certain experiences we've had, I mean, unfortunately I've only trained with Grandmaster Cho the once. Um, I would like to have done that again a, a bunch of times, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, this year's broken all kinds of uh, plans I had um, yeah. for training with people and stuff, you know. Um, but as far as possible, I try and get out there and, and train with people. Um, Aberdeen's not a million miles away, but it's, it's far enough, annoyingly. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the, the kind of central belt usually that's useful, but it's still a, a good few hours down and back. But, yeah. um, but other than that, I, you know, I'm standing in England and across different countries and the like. Yeah. Um, but there's a, I think there's always something to learn. That's, that's my big kind of takeaway point. A hundred percent. Let's go back then. Let's go back and, and uh, talk a little bit about your uh, over 20 years in, in, in Taekwondo and, and just how anything I've told you what to share with is actually about yeah. going through the colored belts and your downgradings, etc. Um, because I started with judo, I was already reasonably fit. Um, as I matured uh, towards the end of my twenties, uh, I should say, around about twenty years old, the asthma had receded to a point where I could train. If I got a solid whack in my back, I would be struggling a bit. But I haven't used an inhaler in twenty-five years. Um, I don't even have one anymore, um, which is good. So it was let me train. Uh, that was the main thing. Um, what with Taekwondo when I started. Because as I said, I was kind of obsessed by it. I'd already kind of half taught myself to do kind of crescent kicks and stuff. My flexibility was quite good because I was out there training for hours a night. I mean, I would sit and watch TV just in a split. Um, I could do a proper split within about three months of starting Taekwondo because I I just needed some tweaks from someone who really knew what he was doing to say, well, actually, try and roll the hip forward or, or whatever. Again, because of that, I mean, I still get the, the, there's, People that contact me saying, I remember training with you when you were the first time. I remember training with you when you were green belt. Green belt, you were doing sidekicks, head height. I'm going, I don't remember that. <laughs> My memory's not that great. Um, but thanks for remembering that, you know. But I, I, I do know that certain elements like that came out quite quickly. I was always into the fighting, the breaking, the, I should say, spotting. Um, <laughs> spotting, breaking, and the power side of stuff. Um, I, I think I was a second down before I really got into patterns. Um, you know, now that's a huge part of what I do is the patterns. Um, but I still love the other stuff. But certainly as a color belt, I would do the patterns. I was okay at them. They're always too fast. Um, everything I do is too quick. Um, but the uh, yeah, I would tolerate the patterns so that I could do the the fun stuff, the kicking yeah. the punch. I was always watching the the higher grades and seeing them do jump jumpy spinny stuff. And I like cool and practicing that at the end. Um. Early on, uh, we had one main principal instructor, my instructor, Master Murdoch, um, and there was an assistant instructor called Mr. Aitchison, who at the time was a first hand, I think he became a second hand soon after. And uh, he, he, for a little while, you go to Master Murdoch for the technical part, and you go to Mr. Aitchison kind of for the fun. And it was wrong, (laughs) but there was an element of that. You know, we do some cool stuff. And he's a very good instructor as well. But we used to have the hall afterwards, uh, have the trumpet set up, so do flying kicks off of that, and <laughs> you know, playing about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But equally, great fun, and uh, we learned from that stuff, you know. But the, uh, I always, uh, our club has never really been in a competition. We used to enter, and we, we always did well. Um, we'd, we'd always come back with medals and stuff, but we've never been a competitive club. Because it competed through judo, um, it wasn't something I really looked for. So I should say in between 
judo and taekwondo. I'd also, um, I joined a jiu-jitsu club. Um, that was another big influence. And again, it's why I find it quite easy to wear different hats or different belts, if you like. Yeah. Um, it's because I've trained with an awful lot of different people. Yeah. The jiu-jitsu club at the time was as pure MMA as you can get when it was traditionally MMA. It was literally a small circle jiu-jitsu coach working with me, who was a judo guy who did some kicking. We had a boxer. Um, we had a wrestler. We had a, uh, an old school karate guy. And we just changed, exchanged ideas. What if? What if this happened? And we go, okay. And we work it out, you know? And that club was brilliant. Um, we used to just beat each other up um, a lot. <laughs> but in the best way, you know? In that way that you need close friends in order to have that, that the bond so we could just do that. Yeah. I remember myself and uh, Dodd, the karate guy, we put on the, the hogu um, one night, big 16-ounce gloves on, and we just went to town. And both of us, we knew that we were pushing it, but... We're just on that fine line. Yeah. But then, so I was training on Monday night. We've seen him on Wednesday. And he's like, yeah, so, so how did you feel yesterday? I was like, I couldn't breathe. That's <laughs> like I was saying. He's like, all right, we'll take it easy now, you know. And we, we just battered each other. But it was good fun. But equally, we learned a lot off of that. We knew, yeah, we start learning where the lines are and um, how to move and how to breathe when you're, <laughs> like, getting hit and stuff. So it was really good training. But that jiu-jitsu, uh, we used to go down to Birmingham. There's a lot of... Um, what do they call it? Uh, it was like semi-contact um, jiu-jitsu, um, which I was quite good at because you used to score quite highly for, uh, if you throw someone, you know, five points, if you head kicks, three points, and body kicks, uh, and those first 10 points. So people would come on, think I'm a kicker, and then I'd throw them. People think I'm a thrower, and I'd kick them. Um, yep. So it worked out well. So I, I was actually very good at that for a good while. Um, pretty much most things that there was there to win for a while, I did. And uh, I love that. And then when I went back to Taekwondo properly, um, competition-wise, I was kind of, these hands wanted to come up and, and grab and stuff. I'm like, All right, that's not going to work for Taekwondo. Um, but as a short person, closing the distance and grabbing worked for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, In Taekwondo competitions, that leading leg, I can't get past that. I can if I cheat. You know, if it's fighting, yeah, okay. But for sparring, it wasn't the best, you know, competition yeah. So I never really got into that. Um, but the, like I say, in the club, padding up, spotting, breaking, all that kind of stuff I loved. Um, I pretty much stayed within the club for the longest while. I was a black belt before I really started looking elsewhere. Annoyingly at Red Belt, I had the opportunity to go and train with a general, uh, but I just didn't have the funds, um, which really now hurts. Because uh, these days I would chuck a lot of money at that. Um, but I just couldn't have the cash. And unfortunately, a few years later, he wasn't around. Yeah. Um, that was really the first opportunity to kind of get outside of the club because I didn't need it back then. There was, there was uh, lots of people higher graded than me. There was my instructor was miles ahead and that kind of stuff. So I never really looked outside. Um, when I got my black belt early on, there was not really that many black belts in the club. And just for a short period, not as a criticism, my, my instructor, we've talked about it at length now, um, years later, but we didn't transition to a black belt club, in my uh, opinion. Um, so I was kind of turning up as a black belt and kind of still just working as a color belt, but occasionally teaching and stuff. And with me, I, I'm a sponge. I just want to learn stuff. Um, I, I need new techniques and just going, well, you've got three new patterns to learn. That wasn't really enough for me. I wanted to be pushed and stuff. So um, I started looking elsewhere. And, 
Annoyingly, I then had another medical issue. Um, found out I had epilepsy. So for a year, I lost my uh, driving license. That was the worst bit about it. Yeah. I had one episode, started on some new pills, had to lose my driving license. So getting to Taekwondo was difficult. Um, so for about six months, I had this little gap. Um, and I looked into a few other things. I played with some other stuff that was just closer to me. But it never really scratched that itch properly, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, after about six months, my dad, his uh, work pattern changed. So he said, right, I can take you to Taekwondo. So brilliant. So phoned the instructor. So I said, right, I'm coming back. Um, everything's fine. I'm 100% fit and, you know, just needing to get back. But just in that period, uh, three or four others had graded up the first time. Yeah. And that was enough that, okay, now we've got a group to work on and stuff. And um, it explained you know, some of the little issues I had and stuff. And from that point on, it's been golden. Um, so yeah, we, we started pushing from that point on and that was, it was much better for me. Um, yeah, the, uh, in terms of the club itself, uh, say around about second on, um, I, I've been teaching since 1999, I think, uh, you know, I, I was the first on then, but really became an instructor, I would say, around about second down, you know, started teaching regular and the like. Um, that changed everything about Taekwondo. Uh, you know, I, I learned so much more from that point on, as we tell our students all the time, but they don't believe us. But yeah, teaching. It's 100% accurate as well. Yeah. As yeah. Accurate. yeah, it just makes you reflect on every single thing that you're doing, everything that you're saying. Am I say, saying this right? Can I say it better? Can I, how, what other angles can I possibly use to get this point across to as many different people as possible, you know? And uh, that, that really, I think it just engages a different cog in my head to, to start really learning there, you know? Um, yeah, that, that's something that I love to this day, you know? Um, One of the things that I, 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 I very quickly took a wee note as you were talking there, and, and this is something that, uh, that I hadn't necessarily planned to discuss uh, with you, but I always find hugely interesting. And having someone with a lot of experience like yourself to, to back this off of, I, I think, I don't think you and I are any different to the majority of young guys that, that started. It was all about the sparring and yeah. how hard can I hit this pad and yeah. just the crazy stuff that, that we did. And when I look back, and I'm going to talk about patterns, yeah. so let's get a wee bit more technical. Uh, yeah. When I look back, I... There's a, I, I could draw a clear line where my study of martial arts and Taekwondo really, really moved on when I started to appreciate patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is like, uh, you never knew your dad was right till you had a son who thought you were wrong yep. uh, type thing. And it's, it's so true. And you try and explain to uh, young guys and girls in your school now, and listen guys, I, but we, we made the same selling mistakes and anyway. Yeah. What, what did you find in the patterns that you could only appreciate as someone a little older? Because uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot in common when, when we chat about this. When I think I started to understand what the patterns were, as opposed to something that you needed to do to get a new belt, <laughs> you know, because... Yeah. One thing that I'm trying to work on in my teaching is, is make them immediately more relevant. And some of the people I'm working with do that. 
Um, so I think, you know, as a lower graded student, you should see the value in patterns um, earlier, which is still difficult to, to, to sell because punching and kicking and breaking stuff is, is immediate. You can see the results. Yeah. Um, I was probably a second down before I really went, okay, I'm starting to get the lessons that are in here, you know? Um, you were a faster learner than I was then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the one thing that occasionally I have to bite my tongue a little bit when I'm training with different people is uh, the my my experiences up to right to now affect how I am and how I learn. So I, I I'm not going to apologize for the fact I started with judo. I also spent a lot of time in the the jiu-jitsu. I went on to fight full contact in jiu-jitsu as well. We did some proper MMA. We're really trying to hurt each other. Um, that has to have an influence on how I move. Um, so whilst I teach as per my version of what I think the general was trying to say, and the, you know, I am an ITF instructor, you know, um, I, I, will, I don't change techniques to include judo in. Judo is its own thing, yeah. but that's still there. The, the, the patterns, the movements, um, have a lot of these movements in there as well. Now, I'm not necessarily just talking about applications and the like, but my thing is having a partner or a, 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 a training partner in, in judo, we have our randori, our uki and tori, um, in taekwondo, we, you know, we have our, our, our willing partner, then a resistant partner, then we have an opponent, um, but it's moving someone. Um, you know, the first time you have someone actually punch a pad and they move backwards, because they're not used to transferring weight through. The patterns to me have all of that. Yeah. So when I'm moving from one stance to another, a longer stance, it's about extending the weight through. If you have a person with you and you're gathering them with you, that works if your stance is proper, your, your foundations are there. Um, it's the, the, any applicable weight drop or waist, weight, uh, twist in the waist or whatever we're doing. And it, it's linking up the feet the hips to the arms, you know, through the, the, the core. That is, uh, to me, that's where the patterns really come in on their own. Yeah. Because we can't train all of that stuff all the time with a partner. If you want to do pure MMA, you know, you're, you're watching the UFC and that's what you want to do, we need to actually stand in a ring and fight. You know, that, that's most of your training. But most of us really aren't doing that, <laughs> you know. Uh, I did it for a short, short window. And, uh <laughs> I loved it. I, I'm, I'm so glad it was there, but I was getting broken a lot. Um, yeah. I, my boss was a, uh, he was a good guy, but at one point he was like, you're coming in with black eyes and chipped teeth and you know, you're <laughs> starting to get twisted and stuff and you have to deal with customers at work, you know? Yeah. Is this going anywhere? No, I'd probably not, no. Uh, that last weekend's training cost me a thousand pounds to go and compete, you know? I'm not getting paid for it. So, you know, that had to be dialed back. Um, but like I say, if you want to fight fight then you, you need to get in a ring and fight to learn martial movements the, the martial art part of it um but also applicable stuff for for actually having to deal with uh, more of a self-defense type situation which i think is more relevant to the other 99 percent of us that aren't competing then that's where the patterns are there's so many movements where i'm mean, doing the one leg stance silly back fist thing today and uh you know if my mother sees it she's like yeah, same doing his weird martial arts stuff. You know, she won't see the, the movement in that. Yep. With a partner, you can hopefully demonstrate a bit better. Um, but people need to feel that. And I, I say that to me is, is where the patterns come in. Um, a lot of the people I've been working with over the last 10 years have really 
helped with that. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to take the risk here, and if we if we end up sort of dumping the conversation uh, mm -hmm. because I can't express myself properly, I'm happy enough. Uh, I I wonder how I wonder often if we are selling the patterns wrongly, and let me try and explain. I really struggle with the concept of this against an imaginary opponent uh, thing. I think if you, a lot of criticism that will come from kickboxers or tie boxers or, or competitive fighters is, yeah. ah, why are you doing these patterns? It's a waste of time. Yeah. That'll never work. I think on a certain level, in fact, I'm quite convinced that they are 100% correct in saying that. But what I find a lot of instructors selling is the fact that no, I actually will do. That if you're being attacked on the street, you actually have the chance to perform a, a knife and guarding block properly. No, you yeah. don't, in my humble opinion. Uh, if you're lucky enough to get your hand raised to have any sort of defensive mechanism there, then you're, you're exceptionally lucky. That's one side. However, if you miss the things that you've just discussed, the weight distribution, the, the strengthening, strengthening of the muscles, the uh, shifting weight from one part Dynamic balance. to another, the, yeah. the layers and patterns, they're countless. The layers within the patterns, if, if you go to them with the right attitude, well, why am I actually doing these? Yeah. I, Okay, here's my opinion. My opinion is that if you are practicing your patterns to defend yourself on the street, I think you're uh, I think you're in the wrong path there if you think that 99% of those techniques are going to work. Uh, however, I think the benefit of studying patterns for a whole list, like a, a, an endless list of benefits, is, is really, really worthwhile. Yeah. Now, I've opened a can of worms there. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? It's the million dollar Taekwondo question or any kata based uh, form. If you, um, some of the people I'm training with would agree wholeheartedly, some of the people would say, no, absolutely not. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. Uh, as I said, I think if you're purely looking at self defense, I don't think there's any need to learn. I mean, take one who talks about having 3,200 techniques. Your brain is, has to file through all of them before it can react. That's a crazy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you talked to Jeff Thompson a couple of weeks ago. Learn yep. how to hit hard and not get hit. One good right cross. That's all we need. Yeah. Ideally. If we can do that, we're, we're laughing. The, the approach part of what I do, uh, I'm teaching for Eddie Quinn uh, and his approach system, and we use a hammer fist, same thing. You know, we've got two or three movements, tops, which hopefully covers. And it's a hopefully covers. Yes, we don't do groundwork. We don't want to go to the ground. What if we go? Right, that's a different thing. You know, but there's other parts to it. Yeah. In Taekwondo, I think the lessons of all the other movements, the, the patterns, is all these in-between moments. They say a garden block. We're covering up. We're not getting to this finished position. We might. 
and also we can maybe hit different areas of the body with it. I quite like hitting necks with that as opposed to yeah. a, a pocket end of a forearm because people don't punch like that, you know, in real life. Um, that said, I do believe some of these movements can be used. <laughs> so there's a bit of a fine line there. Um, also depends on the individual to a point. But I think as a general rule, the lessons are more about movement, movement, uh, power throughout, the ability to change direction into someone else, uh, onto another attack. Uh, this, this dynamic balance, uh, what, what you're moving in between uh, from one stance to another um, uh, is a big part. Again, I, I can't help but relate stuff to judo. In judo, you have a person who's actively not wanting to let you do what you're trying to do. Yep, yep. Um, so you move, and they can. They, you know, we're constantly shifting weight. We're shifting balance. We're moving. Um, that's true randori. Um, in competition, they're going even further. They're really not wanting to let you do that. Yep. You know. So when we move, we have to be able to feel where they are. We haven't got time to see to you know, and this this feel is based on having hold of someone and uh, being able to sense where they are. Um, the patterns and how I'm trying to work on them, which is difficult this year when we can't use any contact, yeah. <laughs> uh, involves putting people together a lot sooner. Um, I didn't start playing with that until I was, I was a higher grade. And I think I, I, I lost some time in that. You know, I, I, I should have been able to cement the judo and the, the lessons from judo into taekwondo sooner. Again, not changing Taekwondo, in my opinion. Um, yeah. This is saying that the likes of a walking stance, yes, it's about moving forward, but it could also be, or that hip turn as we do, that works. That's exactly the same as what we would do in a, in a, 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 a basic trip or a hip throw or the like. Um, the movements are the same. Whether you've got a Taekwondo suit on or a Judo suit on, your body moves the same, you know? Um, for those of us that have... You know, two arms, two legs, the, the hips work and stuff. We all move essentially the same. Um, so it kind of doesn't matter what color your pajamas are or, or <laughs> why, you know, what belt do you happen to be wearing? Yeah. Um, one of the, I mean, we, and again, uh, maybe I've opened a can of worms and maybe we're going to get down all these sort of rabbit holes here. Uh, but as I say, it's, it's a brilliant opportunity that I've got to speak to someone with as much enthusiasm for this wonderful art is, 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 is I, yeah. uh, I, I, I would make, and I'm being very sort of simplistic here, but a, a forward stance. Now, Taekwondo was a military martial art created by, or, uh, or morphed from many different martial arts by military men. Now, they weren't moving up and down the battlefield in a, forward stance or a walking stance. Yes. They just weren't. Uh, so I, I, I argue that that doesn't mean that that's redundant. I want my, and listen, I'm still learning because I stand in my kitchen and do forward stance and think, what if this happens and what if I shift here or do this and do that and have these ongoing conversations with my own students and uh, fellow black belts all the time. Why was it designed then? Why, why did the general and, and anyone else who, who was in, had any, any influence, large or small, in, in developing Taekwondo, 
why did they create a walking stance then? Because here's a list of endless benefits to our body for studying this particular stance. Yep. Uh, balance, strength in the quadriceps, flexibility in the hamstrings and the calf, uh, the ability, as you've said a number of times now, to learn how to shift the balance and shift your body weight from one position to the other. Uh, one of the areas that I talk about often in my own classes is in, in a June gun pattern from the back stance, knife hand guarding block, yep. to the forward stance, upward elbow attack. Yep. Now, anybody who's only listening to this episode, Roy and I are kind of moving our hands and, and doing <laughs> different things. Yep. But the L stance is a defensive stance. And you could see you uh, sort of pulling yourself around if you've just been attacked. And what would happen there is, is that the majority of your weight and a defensive posture goes to the back foot. That's an L stance. Now what you learn is when you're going to hit back, you shift that balance from the back foot to a more centralized position, 50-50, which is a forward stance. That to me is a valuable lesson to learn from June Gun. And I think it's a more realistic lesson to teach rather than simply saying to your students, and I'll be controversial, lying to your students that you're going to do an L stance and a forward stance in the street because you're absolutely not. But you will, you will learn to move from a defensive posture to an offensive posture. And that's the lesson that, that I would take. There's two parts. Just today, um, the, the session I was teaching outside um, in the rain, um, the, uh, we were talking about this. Uh, um, the, the blue belt patterns really start this uh, shift between a longer stance or a shorter stance or the other way around. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly the point to me. We're, we're contracting before we expand, making ourselves smaller before we get bigger. Um, again, I'm going to teach the approach. That's a big, massive part of thing. We make ourselves small and we expand bigger. Um, to to hit um, the breath, the breath control, another part of the patterns. Um, that's that's a big part of it. You know, we're contracting the diaphragm at the right point. We're breathing at the right point. We're we're, we're so we can get our timing correct. But I was also talking about why I call. I can't remember where I picked it up. Someone smarter than me said it, and I stole it. <laughs> so if you're watching, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're, we're we're just. You know, we're following the wiser people that came before us, you know. Um, but we talk about long form and, and a short form. Um, long form, we learn this full movement. And then short form, I'm going to be hitting here, not here at the end of an extension. Yeah. This hand might not come all the way back because I've got a hold of someone's neck and I'm hockey punching them instead of, you know. Yeah. These stance maybe won't make it out to a full balance 50-50 on a, a forward stance. But the desire to move there should be there. So we still committed our weight there. So that punch is still going to have weight behind it. If we only learn a shortened version, we can't get this hips into it. We can't get the breathing into it. We can't, you know, that is the, the, the point of the patterns to me, is, uh, is learning a long form so we can shorten it. Again, if you're looking purely a competitive fighting, I wouldn't do any of that. Yeah. When I was fighting, I was looking at how I'm going to beat you. That's yeah. the only thing that matters. Yeah. If I'm talking about fighting as in you want to do bare knuckle bucking outside, learn how to cover up and how to throw a punch. Yeah. You know, There's no point in the rest of it yeah. for that. No, I, for I agree. The massive lessons of the patterns do teach. 
because we're talking about a, a hopefully a lifelong practice, you know? Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that to me is the, is the big lesson you learn in it. We, we, one, uh, one of my students and friends, Andy Gillen, who has been on the podcast as well, he, he put it, he has a, 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 a habit of sort of giving examples or, or expressing things uh, and, and making them really sort of clear and make a wee bit more sense. And he was talking about, and again, you, you might have seen it on social media as well. There's a lot of schools and, and clubs and, and martial artists who it's, it's blood and it's guts and it's uh, defending yourself on the street or, or, or everything that when we're walking about in our pajamas uh, doing guangi or poan or whatever, that's all, it's, it's nonsense. That's their, that's their opinion. And I was talking to Andy about this and he said, now, I think he was 49 at the time uh, or 50. He says, yeah. now, I'm a married man and I have three children and I go to work every day, drive there, I then drive back. I come to my Taekwondo school and practice my moving and patterns and punching and kicking. And really the, 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 the most exciting thing I do is I go to Starbucks and I read a book. He says, now, the chances of me being assaulted on the street are very, very small, yet I dedicate five or six nights a week to come and train with you. Yep. So Andy's an intelligent guy. Why would I be dedicating so much of his, or why would he be dedicating so much time of his life if it was only to protect yourself from the street? Yep. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude that I dislike a lot when people will refuse to see the benefits of all this catalogue of stuff that yep. we have to, to, to train in and, 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 well, and again, better ourselves by doing. If I had never learned to defend myself, I have still changed my life by doing martial arts. Yeah. Well, that, that outweighs any... I mean, the, the handful of times I've really had to use martial arts. Thankfully, it's a handful. I've been talking over 30 years. Yeah. Um, they pale in comparison to the fact that I now have a network of friends across the world who I talk to on a regular basis. has enriched my life for so many reasons. I haven't used an inhaler in 25 years, you know? I'm, my knees work, my, I've got a bit of a sore hip occasionally, but you know, um, other than that, I'm in good shape, you know? Uh, an awful lot of people my age, it starts going that way, you know? Um, I'm still aiming upwards, you know? Um, yep. The social aspect of it, the, the, the endorphins released by training. I mean, if you're not gonna, Unless you're doing a strongman event, why would you go and train weights? Yeah. It's not just about competing. It's not just about beating someone else. It's not just about that one time that I had to lift the car off the, someone to save a person. <laughs> you know what I mean? You train for training's sake. Yeah. To a point, I think martial arts are like that. The side effect of martial arts is hopefully you can defend yourself. Yeah. It, it's a part of it. I don't think it's the be all and end all. I don't really think that the martial art side of it was truly accurate the soldiers train together but their military part when they're running down with bayonets and they're stabbing they're fighting they're killing that was still separate yeah, yeah. what we do wasn't really the same um you know uh, it came from there mm -hmm. but it's not the same you know um 
I think the putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, you know, hard, hard tests, uh, two, three, four against one fights where you're really having to get out of there. These safe versions of stressful events, you can learn a lot from that as opposed to um, having to wait until you're attacked to find out how you're going to respond, you know? Um, part of the the approach instructor course, um, one of the final parts we do is we fight against the bullet men. So they get the full padding on. Mm-hmm. They got a team of very, very good people who are very good at being the attackers, being the bad guys. A couple of guys there I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely scared of, even though I know them as nice people. Um, and the way they, they, they spend the morning psyching you up for it, so you're already on a bit, you know, you're nervous before you have to go out and, and, and fight. And it is fighting, you know? But in the back of your head, you still know it's safe. You know, it's not the same as as, as, as getting attacked. But you're a little bit better for that. Yeah. You know, and I think to get back to the point that the patterns, the other part of what we do that isn't just fighting. That's the part it gives you is all the other stuff uh, uh, as opposed to just, uh, yeah, like I say, if you want to fight, just go and fight. Yeah. It's the best way of doing it, you know. But I don't think that the other stuff we do is wasted by any means. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I'm and, and very verbal about it as well uh, in my agreement with you. I think, I think you're spot on. As I say, I'm, I'm happy that that part of the conversation went the way that, that it did. I think sometimes we, I think we have to be uh, open to your ideas falling. But I always like to, I always like to put them out there and say, well, yeah. what do you think? And how, just how wrong am I? Uh, it yeah. doesn't always have to be, am I right? Sometimes it can be, well, you're a wee bit wrong or you're a big bit wrong. And I'm, I'm happy for, I'm happy for all of that. Uh, we will talk about the approach because I'm, I'm really interested in that. But one yeah. of the things that I want to, I want to stay in the Taekwondo for a wee bit. And this is, this is one of my lifetime ambitions and you've already done it. And that is to be in Korea. So uh, if you can tell the people that are watching and listening, a wee bit of your experience touring and training in Korea. That'd be, that'd sure. be great. Um, slight, before we get to Korea, not, not, just a slight detour. Um, probably, what was it, 2012. Um, uh, another friend of mine from uh, my club had suggested that we go to Glasgow and train with Grandmaster Riki Ha. Now, I'd heard that name from day one of Taekwondo because he did all my instructors' gradings up till sixth down, I think, and then it was General Choi. Um, he's the father of British Taekwondo, uh, certainly ITF and like, you know, so he's a bit of a legendary figure, but I was also told, be scared. He's, you know, <laughs> he's an intimidating figure. So I went, right. I've not really played with others. I'll, I'll try that. You know, so we, we went down there and for the start, it was a great session. I really enjoyed it. I met some wonderful people. I mean, I shared a poster that they gave me day or two ago on Facebook. Um, first time I met Grandmaster Cutler, Grandmaster O'Neill. And Grandmaster Cutler in particular is probably one of my favorite people in Taekwondo. Um, really influenced the last 10 years of my Taekwondo. Um, like hugely so. Um, but one of the, our, our two parts of that, I was training with an awful lot of people I didn't know. I mean, literally I knew the one guy that I went with and other than that, I didn't know anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than maybe by name. But the person standing next to me was Miss Tate from uh, Dundee. Um, her and uh, Mr. Dolan uh, were there and they were grading for fifth dan I think the next day um, so I just happened to be standing there I was a relatively new fourth dan at the time 
Um, they were experienced fourth hands, about to be fifth. And uh, Miss Tate, quite early on, seeing me kind of a little bit lost, you know. Um, Taekwondo-wise was fine. I, I, I knew what I was doing there. But, yeah, in terms of speaking to people and just, just getting myself out there, I was a little bit, you know, kind of reverting back to what I did as a kid, you know. So she, man, hey, how you doing, you know, that stuff. So where are you from? And turns out I'm an hour drive away. She's like, well, come down and train with us. You know, you're always welcome, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I fought the urge to say, yeah, yeah, and then not do it. I made a point that a couple months later, Grandma Cutler was actually training. I, I run a seminar in Dundee, so I went down and trained with them. And that flipped the switch for me to, to be able to get out there a little bit and and train. So, I, I mean, I, I credit Miss Tate for that. Uh, I told her this a, a year or two ago. Um, it did, it's, it's opened up a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Be- because of that, um, I mean, I trained with a bunch of people since then, but Korea in particular. Um, uh, Stuart Anslow has his Totally Taekwondo magazine, the yeah. online magazine. And I've read that since day one. Um, pretty much anything but Taekwondo one, I read it. Um, and they had a, a report. Um, so they went in 2015. It was a group that went across. And the report was just, it was killing me reading it. I'm just going, oh. <laughs> Oh my god, I wanted oh that looks amazing. Every every page, every picture, the temples in the background and stuff, and it looked brilliant. So uh I'd inquired about a tour um to ITFHQ uh, who run them, and they said, Well, there's a group from Russia coming across in a few months, you can mix in with them and stuff. But I thought, oh that okay, you know, I mean I I'd be okay, but I'd be that person on my own again, you know. So as it was, uh, uh, I'd mentioned it online. I think I just said in one of the comments, it was like, I'd love to do that one of these days. And sure, Anzalo actually phoned me up. And he said, come with us, mate. I said, like, we'll look after you. I said, you know, no problem with that. He says, we'd have a good laugh. He says, the problem is you go with a different group. It could be them and us. I said, you might fit in fine. You know, but said, if it's Russian for a start, how much Russian do you speak? And I went, zero. <laughs> I can barely speak English, you know. Um, just said, well, that's going to be difficult anyway. And you're in Korea. So, you know, it's going to be hard enough. So he said, come with us. I said, we're, we're going again in whatever it was, two years ago, 2018. Um, so we're going to do, at the time, it was going to be a two-week tour uh, covering all the color belt and all the black belt up the third band. Um, so I was like, right. So immediately started putting money away for it. We ran a saving scheme and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, quite quickly on, it started up a, a, a Facebook group uh, messenger group and what I loved about that is when we all got there we kind of all knew each other yeah. or most people that were active in the group you know similar yourself as I said as I said we've been in the same room once um <laughs> but yeah we, we conversed on Facebook or whatever more than anything so this was similar the kind of meeting they go oh Mark and he's from South Africa you know and like oh, great you know almost no chance of bumping into him but in Korea great friends and uh what a tour um just stunning uh every day we had um visits arranged so you know we did po on at Poan's burial tomb which was phenomenal i was lucky enough to lead that day um what actually happened we landed in uh in Seoul, and then we immediately flew across the jeju island so we did a couple of days there because that's where the statue to the the 29th infantry division is there um on jeju island which was where the general really formed taekwondo it's the womb of taekwondo as, as kind of referred to yeah. um so we, we went there we practiced um what we do there Hua Rang being the first pattern we practiced Cho, uh, chonji being the beginner pattern 
did lots of photos and all that kind of stuff. Beautiful day. But we decided that before we got into Taekwondo, we'd have a day just to kind of acclimatize. It's a 12-hour flight. Um, yeah. We got there late and stuff. So we found a pub, as you do, um, about 11 o'clock at night. Had a lot, uh, uh, yeah, quite a few drinks. But uh, it's just some random pub. It was uh, all pink neon <laughs> everywhere. We were the only people in there, barring the person running it, and this little ginger cat. And uh, I had quite a few drinks. But I, I blew up my voice, um, kind of talking over the music and stuff. Yeah, Got yeah. next day, I was like, ah, couldn't speak. <laughs> so uh, it took about three days. It wasn't until we actually went to the ITF HQ proper that uh, CGO, the master of oh, um, went across and bought me some throat lozenges and stuff because I couldn't speak Korean. I didn't know what to buy. So he came back with this stuff. So they kept on saying, well, as, as one of the more uh, senior grades, you should run one of the sessions. I'm like, all right, I can't out, you know, lead. I can't say, I can't, I can't speak. <laughs> so finally, thankfully, by the day that we did pull on, I was fine. And that was phenomenal. The view was stunning. Just leading this group of uh, 25 people, roughly. Um, excellent, you know. Every day we had activities set up. Um, you know, on Jeju Island, there's a massive uh, Buddhist temple, which was beautiful. Um, again, we tried as far as possible to live in our Taekwondo suits. So we're always there. Any photo op, we're there as a group and stuff. Um, try not to spill coffee and stuff on them, which is difficult because we wear the white suits. So it's not that easy. Um, but yeah, so we're back on the bus across to somewhere else. We did off-road booming the ATV vehicles and all this kind of stuff. And then we got into Taekwondo proper. And quite quickly on, we realized that kind of similar to what we've been discussing, pretty much everyone there was from different clubs, different stages of Taekwondo, whether there, there was a few colored belts, mostly black belt, but even then, first on the, it was sevenths, I think, I don't think it was any eights, um, you know, some people that really know what's going on. Some people are just good hobbyists, you know. The, the, I put myself in that category, you know, but there was some really switched on good people there. Um, but what we didn't really, what we weren't really looking for was not, was everyone trying to do the same thing at every point, yeah. you know. Again, we had one fella, Neil, in his black suit all the time, kind of spoiling all the photos. Everyone else was wearing white, you know. It was a good <laughs> joke about it, but he didn't care, you know. It was fine. Um, but we had groups that followed the 1972 book, we had groups that followed the 1983 book, we had groups that don't follow any book, they're just doing their own thing. But we all had these patterns in, 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 uh, in common. Yeah. So initially, very early on, we tried the video stuff. So we'd write everyone as a group would go, ah, two, three. But of course, everyone was miles off yeah. because everyone was moving differently, you know? So we started going, right, we'll move. And then we'll take a photo. So, right, everyone happy? Yes, snap. Everyone happy? Yes, snap. You know? And then we kind of got okay after that. And here and there, we'd exchange ideas. Um, there's quite a lot of us were kind of, what I would say, ITF or Chang'on style Taekwondo yeah. uh, more than anything. But there's a few that were out there. Um, I was gravitating towards the out there people because I know the ITF stuff, you know? Um, so trying to change some ideas and there's people, oh, we're going to be doing uh, such and such a pattern tomorrow. Can you go over it again? Can we just make sure it's, it's sharp so when we get there and stuff? Brilliant group of people. Um, literally, uh, I mean, I talk to most of them on, on Facebook fairly regular. Most of them, almost daily, there's one of them from somewhere. Uh, a few really good mates come out of that. But uh, 
the big moments that I say, like Poe and uh, Burial Mound was stunning. The the some of the uh, locations that we went to. I mean, the the, the Kwangi, um It's a like an educational center, but they've got this massive big um, pagodas. Um, it's all just gravel around and all these. I mean, it, it looks like a martial arts movie. Um, it's stunning. So uh, the photo ops there. I mean, we, we did uh, we did Kwangi. Um, but then we're looking down at the tiles and there's these little dragons in the tiles and stuff. Everything about it was just stunning. And this big group of uh, Korean children ran up to us and kind of like, what, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> so none of us could speak Korean. We had uh, two locals that worked with us uh, trying to explain what on earth we're doing. Um, so they kind of half copied some moves and stuff. Got nice photos of that. Um, that was quite nice. But we, we were just in the middle of random locations in Korea that the locals were just walking past, you know, they, just, they, don't, they don't see what we were seeing because it's, it's normal for them. Other than the fact that then there's a bunch of these people in white pajamas doing weird stuff by their statue of whatever, you know. And one, so, one guy in black pajamas. Yeah, one guy in black, you know. <laughs> so I'm uh, that because every time I've seen the photograph, uh, he did, he stood out, I'm not going yeah. <laughs> to uh, he, he was a good laugh. Neil, uh, I actually, um, he was the first person I met when I was going because we flew to the same hotel in London before I moved on. So uh, I met him the night before and a good cracking guy. Um, but he was just like, he doesn't, he's not an ITF member, so he's, he can wear what he likes. He's fine. It made no difference, you know. Yeah. Um, excellent student. He trains away. He's, he's a good guy. But uh, the certain points when we were trying to explain the locals what was going on um, was, was fun. When we went to um, the demilitarized zone, um, which was an experience in itself, um, a lot of uh, security checks and all that kind of stuff. Now, interesting to see, quite a, a stark reminder of what's going on there and stuff, you know? But uh, just down the road, we stopped off at a, a, a local place and there was a, uh, what do they call it? Some, there was a, a version of Kentucky Fried Chicken, basically. Um, some really spicy version of it. So we're just outside after having a bite to eat. Again, still wearing our, our dough bucks and stuff. And this, this old uh, elderly gentleman came across and he's kind of, couldn't speak English, I couldn't speak Korean. And trying to say, what are you doing, essentially? Um, and it turned out he had a tiny bit of English about him. Um, and he, he kind of said, you know, Taekwondo? And he said, yes, Taekwondo, that's, that's what we're doing. We're here, um, this is, uh, you know, the demilitarized zone said that we've got a Taekwondo pattern called Tongil, which is, and he went, oh, reunification. And, and, you know, and he started getting the point. Um, with that, a couple of our group came across, um, including the two, uh, thankfully, Korean translators. Um, and then this old guy was uh, relaying the information to this uh, group of women sitting over, because they were all kind of looking across, going, what's that happening? And we just had this little bit of connection where they're, they're kind of interested in finding out what we're doing. And it turned out this old gentleman had learned Taekwondo in the military. Oh, okay. well, well, chances are, that's why we're here. It was probably the same stuff he learned. Yeah. Um, we couldn't get into, I wasn't going to ask him about the Korean War and stuff like that there, um, for obvious reasons. But <laughs> yeah, chances are, um, there was that. But we had a few nice little moments of uh, connecting when there's no language. Korea was the first time I've really been away to somewhere where it was an entirely different culture. Um, you know, I go to Spain or whatever, but most of the Spain I was going to was Magaluf and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not Spanish, you know. Um, but this was a real, yeah, 
you had the point at stuff because you, you couldn't speak Korean, you know, and um, uh, it showed how uh, how untraveled I was really and stuff. Uh, the the experience was phenomenal. We, we were up early every day. We trained, um, performed patterns a lot. We exchanged ideas, a lot of learning. Um, we always go out for a bite to eat and uh, a few beers later on and stuff, and then back, back up again early the next day and train away. And uh, just such an excellent experience. We, we were looking at trying to go again in 2021, and then everything's yep. been this year. Annoyingly. It's uh, definitely on my to-do list again. Um, I recommend it for everyone. It's a phenomenal experience. Um, it's weird because, sorry, the, the, in, in South Korea, the, there's probably only a couple hundred ITF students. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not big there. In North Korea, it is. Um, for reasons that are well enough known. Um, so I say we were a bit of a novelty there, um, which was, was quite fun. Um, yeah. One, one of the things, uh, I've got a really good uh, judo, who you might actually know, uh, a friend, Neil Malone. Oh yeah, I'm Neil, yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, Neil stays very locally and we, we, we serve on the local sports council together. Uh, one of the things I always talk to him about I'm, I'm, we're over an hour now, which, I'm, which is fine. Uh, I, yep. I could stay here chatting about Taekwondo all night. Uh, one of the things that I do definitely want to, 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 to talk to you about is I often speak to Neil about the, and I'm not sure if there's how many actual branches away from judo there is, but for example, if you go into Neil's judo club, there's a pretty much a direct line through to Olympic level standard judo. Uh, yeah. Now, as a younger, less experienced, maybe more immature practitioner and maybe a wee bit more romantic about the whole idea, previously I was an advocate, advocate for Taekwondo one day being together again. Now, whatever being together means, but, and again, uh, just, I know we mentioned Stephen Gale earlier on, but to talk about him, it's something we've spoke about at length. And he actually says often, what you and I are doing, Kareem, is one Taekwondo. Yeah. What you and I tonight, Roy, are doing is, is one Taekwondo. Uh, so now, whether you're wearing, wearing one badge and I'm wearing another, and Stuart Anslow's wearing one, and Stephen Gale's wearing one, and it doesn't matter to me now. I'm actually, I'm over that. But there's a real passion within me to create one Taekwondo as what we are doing right now, I guess. There's been groups that have tried and some of them have a certain level of success. That, that, when you look at it, you can see the, the older masters and grandmasters and stuff. It, it just went so far that I don't think that's ever going to come back together again. Yeah. You know, who's most senior? Who's in charge of that? All that stuff is just it's a kind of worms to get into, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally think that we're better now than we were 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, exactly stuff like this. I mean, uh, I've had more doors being opened than closed, you know? Um, some of that's down to uh, I'm quite happy to wear whatever color suit <laughs> is needed or I'll wear a white belt or a fifth hand belt. It makes no difference to me because yeah. um, I am a white belt. Um, when I'm trying to, trying to train Silat with Eddie, I'm definitely a white ball of that. Yeah. When I'm trying to train with uh, Colin Mee in Australia, I'm definitely a white ball of that. Mm -hmm. I, I've worn more white belts than I ever did black belts. It makes no difference to me. Um, 
in my club when I'm teaching. Yes, I'll wear my fifth hand belt. I'm proud of that. But it doesn't really matter. Um, I think our generation, if you like, tend to be a bit more open for this. There's still a lot of closed ideas. And kind of what I said earlier, but there's 80% overlap, you know? Yeah. There's not too many out there. I mean, you see some videos on YouTube and stuff, and I don't comment on these things because as long as they're happy, do it. Like, you know, I mean, it's not for me to fix everyone. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, I would say most people out there, you know, we, we, we've got stuff in common that we could share ideas on, you know? Um, and I think in that way, Taekwondo could be one, you know? As I said, my Taekwondo, the reason I started with my instructor was based on this person sat to my left in a university class. <laughs> if he had started WTF Taekwondo the night before, there's every chance I would have walked into that club yeah. And I could be here 25 years later. I haven't done that. I might have done two classes and went, take one was not for me. Yeah. You know, and I found something else. Um, I know people in pretty much every version of take one that there is. And some of them are great people. And, you know, there's very few that aren't, yeah. you know, as I said, in Korea, I don't know. I mean, there was a few groups, you know, two or three small groups, you know, uh, but most people, there was, there was at least 10, 15 different styles, if you like of ITF Taekwondo there, <laughs> which, you know, almost doesn't sound right saying it, but that, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, again, just now I should be in Cyprus. Um, that's, my, that's my regular tour. There's, this should have been the fifth version, uh, fifth uh, annual Cyprus trip with uh, the Ace Taekwondo lot. And uh, over the years we've had, uh, there's a couple of TAGB guys being there. There's, there's, there's guys coming from the States. There's, um, Mostly ITF based, but there's been a few that have been quite far off um, of what I would say we do, if you like, or what I do. Um, it doesn't matter. They just turn up and train and no one cares. It's been great. You know, met some really good people with that. And uh, yeah, as you said earlier, um, if I'm down your way, you know, the door's open. If you're up my way, it's the same thing, you know? Um, yeah. I might have to explain to the students, don't copy him in terms of how we're doing Puan. Yeah. Because if you grade like that tomorrow, my instructor is grading you is going to go, well, that's not quite right for us, you know? Yeah. Same, but I say the same thing when I'm saying watch YouTube for instructional videos. Here's the ones you can watch, you know, for us. But it doesn't mean the others are wrong. They're just incorrect for what we're looking for, you know? But the, um, the ability to train with others, the, the, I, I think, in my experience, is getting better, you know? One big thing happened uh, eight or nine years ago. Um, I don't know if you heard the ITF Radix guys, um, Roy, Ro uh, Roy Rolstad and, uh, uh, oh God, my head's gone blank now. Uh, master. What, what happened there? Sorry? What happened there? Um, there was a seminar in Stonehaven, which is 15 minutes away from my house. Right. But crucially, it was the first seminar in Aberdeen area that I went to that was also by one of the what would be seen as the rival club. Right. We, we never really played nice. We never really trained together for various reasons. I, I don't really care what they were, but it was about the generation before. Um, I seen these guys were coming up, exactly my kind of thing. I went, you know, is it okay if I come along? They went, yeah. We trained, we did a two-day session. It was brilliant. And uh, yeah, um, there's no reason why that shouldn't happen more, you know, uh, in my opinion. Um, and it was very good. Um, my head's reeling now. I'm trying to remember her name. <laughs> Put on the spot. It's always the way it is. That's okay. Uh, right. Well, let's let's move on and talk about uh, 
Eddie Quinn and, and, and the approach, uh, which I know you're, you're sort of really passionate about as well, and, and now teaching. Uh, if that name comes up, just randomly shout it out halfway through. That's fine. Uh, so it doesn't. So it doesn't annoy you. That happens to me all the time. By the way, I forget people's names, and then great guy as well. I'll be sitting and randomly shout it out. So tell us, <laughs> tell us what the approach is. Uh, tell us a wee bit about Eddie Quinn. A lot of people listening to this will, will know. Yep. Uh, yeah. but some people won't so yeah. um, give us a wee bit of info on that if you don't mind well Eddie is a, a guy from Dunbarmingham um, when he was about 18 years old uh, he came out of a pub seen someone getting attacked a girl getting attacked seen one across like that and got stabbed uh, a bunch of times for his uh, help um, he was on the operating table getting saved um by a surgeon because uh, he got stabbed in some bad places. He was opened up from chest right the way down and they saved his life. Um, kind of annoyed about it. You can see in the uh, hospital, he knew who it was, he knew where they were, that kind of stuff. Um, the surgeon had seen him and said, well, I think you'd be better off like looking into something like martial arts, which is one of the wisest statements ever said by anyone, you know, channel this better. You know, if you can say that to people, it's just a phenomenal message. So he did. Um, he, he tried a bunch of different things. Uh, karate to, uh, um, he, he got on with uh, Muay Thai. He, he teaches that. He has taught that for a long time. Um, but early on, he had issues, kind of the realism of some of the martial arts. He said he always loved it, but equally having been stabbed and, and knowing how kind of real fights look. It was always a little bit on the, I'm looking for something else. Um, at the same time, he actually developed a phobia of knives. Um, he said it got so bad to uh, a point he couldn't like bought his toast. He couldn't pick up a butter knife and have a knife in his own hand. Yeah. So Eddie being Eddie, he decided to tackle that head on. So again, going down the library, looking at different martial art books and stuff, reading the, the A to Z of martial arts and stuff, he's seen uh, Silat. Silapian daggers, machetes, um, yeah. knives. She's like, I, I, I want to learn Silat. Um, asked around, did all the, the research, couldn't find anyone. Um, took a trip across to the Philippines, trying to find someone. Spoke to loads of people who knew someone who knew someone who did it, but couldn't <laughs> find that person, you know? Yeah. They came home a little bit uh, less money, a little bit dejected. Now to be at a, I think it was a martial arts kind of exhibition-y thing in Birmingham. And someone said, well, Chris there, he, he's... He's a silly guy, and I was like, turns out he stays quite local and like. So um, this is good to Chris, Tua, uh, Chris Parker. Um, so he approached them and introduced himself, said, well, you know, will you take me on? And he did. And he's been working with him as a private uh, student ever since. Um, the Silat's uh, Eddie's real base art. Um, he's put a lot of effort in that stuff. Um, very good at that. Um, but these movements that he was using in Silat, he started feeding that back into the Thai boxing. So he had people throwing a straight punch and he's kind of hooking over it, elbows and these other movements that was found, just taking the daggers at it. So instead of stabbing in, it's now a hammer. The lessons that he was learning in Silat, he was applying to the other parts. Because as I said earlier, you can only move one way. You know, um, There's not a judo movement, a taekwondo movement really. There's only how a human body moves. We yeah. just put these little ideas in her head that's still at that's a hammer fist it doesn't matter what you call it you know um 
So he, he, he was playing about with it. He was, he was finally just catching people. Initially, it started with this, this figure eight motion, kind of batting arms all the way. And uh, again, in discussion with um, his, his instructor, his teacher, um, the kind of coin, uh, he'd said, I've been looking at this. What do you think? And he went, well, it seems like it's Eddie Quinn's the approach. So that's where the name came from. <laughs> and then over about 10, 15 years, it's been refined. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the point being that as we kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of people don't want to do 25 years of martial arts and learn 3,200 techniques. Um, people want something short, sharp, easy to remember, but also that works. Um, I, I do believe that most things in Taekwondo can be made to work within reason, because uh, as we discussed. Um, but equally, most of the classes and the clubs that I've seen I think realistically, it can take a little while to actually be able to defend yourself because yeah. we got an awful lot of stuff to cover in a syllabus. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, the ability to do rising kicks don't help immediately. They help in Taekwondo development, but they don't help you defend yourself. You'd be better off learning offense, to learn how to use your voice, to learn awareness, to learn how to hit hard and not get hit. Um, Eddie's trained with Jeff an awful lot of times in the past. Um, you know, there's, there's there's overlap in these things, as you know. So. Um, over the years, Eddie developed this uh, system, the approach. Um, what it is now, uh, in the space of a, a four-hour seminar, um, you can learn the core principles that are found in the approach. And it's simply a hammer fist. We got our elbows, and we have a back uh, uh, backhand, essentially, or we have an assisted strike. Um, and that works from all the angles. So eventually, it got recoined as the approach 360 because it works around. <clears throat> Excuse me. We all cover the legal parts of self-defense, which is hugely important. Yeah. Um, and ideally, try and put people off and needing to try their might, you know, because the best self-defense, as you know, is just not being in that fight if you can, you know. If you can't, we make sure that we can be the one that's hopefully getting home to our loved ones, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the approach morning itself is, uh, is a great experience. That's what I teach. Um, the uh, the instructor course um, is traditionally taught over uh, multiple days, and as I said earlier, we end up with the we have a, a half morning, uh, a half day, I should say, and uh, being taught by a ex policeman barrister for the, the legal side of it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. And then we do our fights with the uh, bullet men immediately mm -hmm. as we come off to the policeman. Is that justified? Was that legal? Was that allowed? What do you remember? And, and we're getting this feedback. Good fun. Uh, really good learning experience. Um, yeah, learned a lot out of that. For myself, the reason I kind of uh, sought out Eddie in the first place, so I've been aware of his name for a few years over the martial art magazines and um, on the internet and the like. Yeah, yeah. But I was wanting something to add, not to Taekwondo, but separate from Taekwondo. Again, people that I know that don't want to do three, four, five nights a week, um, you know, doing all the other stuff, which is fine. People, you know, just because I love it doesn't mean everyone else has to, you know? Um, so there's an awful lot of people that can then do a Saturday morning and just learn and then keep their hand in it here and there, you know, which is what I suggest. Because as you know, you, you can learn movements in four hours, but it's not enough to really set in, you know? We want it to be a reaction. Yeah. Now, depending on how your head works, and how you you approach um, learning, you know. I mean, uh, I know you play the guitar. You know, 
you do four um, hours of <laughs> better than I can. Um, but the uh, if you do a four hour lesson with someone, you learn some basic chords, you learn a, a strong pattern. But if you don't pick it up again for six months, then all of a sudden someone goes boom, play. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do it. Same thing with self defense. You have to practice. I mean, I've got my Bob Punch bag right beside me, and every now I'm here, right? And we're working through, you know. And I, I suggest to people just put a chair in front so we got these angles that we work at and stuff and just, just go through the movement so it's there in your head, you know? And then two, three times a year, come back and train. And it, it's it's going well. It, it really, well, it was going well until the world closed. Um, the, uh, the the benefits of the approach on a ta- to a Taekwondo person, to a martial artist, I think are, are quite great. Um, if you've never done martial arts, the approach works for you. Um, if you've got a, a martial arts background and you're open-minded, so you're ready to learn, um, the approach really helps. Again, uh, I've mentioned a lot about weight transfer and, and, and the movement. The get, hitting with everything is a big part of it. Um, we talk about the distance dictating the tool. You know, if we got reach, we're going to use the end. If we're closer, it's going to be the forearm. If we're closer again, it's elbow. Um, these things uh, come to play. And again, as you rightly said, for the our garden block, it might be here. It might be elbows and stuff in the way. We're, we're using what's appropriate depending on the distance to the person that we're having to defend against. And uh, so that, that essentially is the approach. Um, it's, it's a nice, short, sharp, simple system that time and time again, we see non-martial artists especially come in and they're going, boom, hitting these pads. <laughs> you know? so we don't have to do years of conditioning to try and get you know, knuckles that are ready for punching bricks and stuff. We're using a, a, a preconditioned part, preconditioned part. So we're hitting these tie pads with, with some decent power quite quickly on. And a wide range of, um, I tend to teach teens up to, uh, well, I think the oldest of that is about mid-60s. Um, and most people get on fine. There's, there's some that don't. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't please everyone. But um, but generally, it, it works really well. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll actually uh, commit to because I say, it's something else that I've sort of followed online, but when when the world opens back up again, uh, do you know what? I don't even know if I've ever been to Aberdeen, so coming yeah. to Aberdeen to, to to learn a wee bit from you is, yeah. uh, is definitely something definitely something I'd be interested in. Yeah, great, yeah. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the uh, I'm hoping in the new year, obviously, stuff settles down. Um, it's a, it's a close contact thing in terms of we got partners with pads and we're going to be hitting stuff. So it has to be, you know, we're going to be back down to basically zero before we can do that again, annoyingly. So I haven't had any judo this year and I've had no approach, but yeah. outside of hitting Bob, um, you know. It's one of the things, uh, one of the, the things that's, that hasn't been lost on me this year has been the benefit that our, our traditional Taekwondo practice has has given us whether it be over Zoom or whether it's been just training on our own. Yeah. Uh, there's many styles out there where you need a partner or yeah. you need close contact with pads or you need to spar or whatever. And, and well, my, my brother uh, last year he had a very successful year in judo. Um, Sydney's 42. He keeps on thinking I'm nearly done and keeps on. I'll just try one bigger one. He's winning. He, you know, he's very good. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so this year was supposed to be, he was going to press the, again on a couple more, you know. And uh, he tried over Zoom for a good while. Um, 
they did probably 10 weeks, something like that. Yeah. And they just got bored. And I was going, it's just a fitness class. I can do fitness. People are out riding their bikes. They're doing stuff, you know. You can't really practice judo. If you have the stretchy bands, you can do some movement, but it's not the same. So even my brother uh, of, of, you know, 25, 30 years, I mean, that's all he's done since he's about 11. You know, couldn't get anyone more devoted to judo. Yeah. Bored of it. And, it, it, you know, he's still trying to keep his hand in at training, doing some weights and doing some running and stuff. But he, he's struggling with that, you know. It, it's... um. Yeah, it, it's a hard thing to lose. Yeah. Without, I'm missing spotting. <laughs> I'm missing the ability to teach the way I'd like to teach, i.e. closer in. Yeah. But I can still practice. I mean, I, the, the class today, whilst it was a small group because the weather was horrible, it was still a good taekwondo class. You know, and I've, I've been lucky to do that over the summer. As soon as we're allowed to train outside, we have been. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly don't feel like press pause in my taekwondo. I'm better now than I was at the start of the year. Um, some of that's because I can link up with people online. I, I, you know, I'm still getting the tuition. I'm, I'm working on it, you know? Yeah. And Taekwondo allows you to do that. Yes, I wouldn't enter a tournament for, for spotting tomorrow. I think I'd... Yeah. Oh, that's you back. Yeah. Just, uh, we lost you a wee bit there with the volume. Sure. That's fine. Okay, let's... Uh, just when you were talking about improvement there, let's uh, go into just one, one last area, if you don't mind. And... Yeah. That is, that's, what is ahead for you? What's ahead for you regarding your own, what's your own personal, uh, what you're aiming for, what you're aiming for as an instructor for your own club, for your approach, self-defense, uh, what, what's in the future for you, Roy? Well, uh, around about a couple of years ago, I came up with this approach Taekwondo. Um, it's a bit on the nose, it's approach on Taekwondo, but it actually means more than that. Um, it's my approach to Taekwondo. Um, it's not just the approach on Taekwondo, although it encompasses that. Currently, really, it's me teaching the approach as much as possible. And I also teach Taekwondo. Yeah. But currently, I teach for my instructor, or like today, I was teaching small groups myself. I definitely want to Taekwondo club of my own. That should have happened this year, but, you know, that's been put the, you know, <laughs> the world's not playing at the moment. But hopefully next year that will happen. I want my own club, um, and that will be a taekwondo club, who also teaches self defense sessions here and there. Yeah. Yep. Um, first and foremost, I'm a taekwondo person. You know, um, my approach, <laughs> which is where the, the 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 true part of the name comes from, is really what I want from my students. The level I expect of them, the level I expect, uh, they, I want them to expect of me, um, and the honesty. Um, I want to, uh, I, want, I kind of want some control over grading and the like. I want to be able to say to people, look, I need you to do this and we'll, we'll review it in three months. If you've done it, great, let's grade. If not, no. Um, it, again, not a knock on any person because everyone just does what's right for them. But I can't quite control it, uh, not control, I can't get the best out of a student if I'm not ultimately the one that's saying, yes, you have achieved that. Yeah. If I'm saying you need to do something more and then someone else grades them and hands them the belt, even if they've achieved everything that they needed from them, they haven't done it for me yet, you know? And uh, I've got a, a core group of students who, who do listen. They are working on it. But ultimately, it's, it's that control bit still not there for, for yeah. ticking that final box, you know? That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and that, that's... Uh, I might find that it's a lot harder than I think, you know? I'm sure that there's naivety in there somewhere, um, you know? There is. That's part of the fun. That's exactly. Part, that's part of your journey. Not yeah. 
yeah. what, what sort of coming there to, to do yeah. that? So, um, what I want to do, um, and I've, I've seen a couple of models working where uh, the approach would be taught, as in Eddie's approach, would be taught as part of early days in a my club, you know, um, whether we then look at it monthly, something like that. So we keep it really there yeah. as well. But yeah. it sits alongside our Taekwondo. It's not part of the Taekwondo grading. It's not Taekwondo itself, but I think it would, it would actually sit with it. Um, and I think the benefit of that is someone who's been with me for a month should be reasonably able to, to, to in a normal circumstance, defend themselves. You should understand about getting hands up and understand about getting away. You start working on these things as opposed to waiting until they're maybe green belt and they can kind of do a sidekick and, you know, and these kind of things that some people can train for a year or two and, and not really be able to defend themselves. And I, I'd like to get that in there. Yeah. But I totally agree with you in terms of, as you said earlier, that most of us aren't really going to see violence. Yep. You know, we can go decades without any issues. So it's not all just about being paranoid and, and, and waiting for that, that person to jump out of darkness, you know. Um, but I, I'd like to see some the, 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 the ability to defend themselves be there quite early on. But I also want to uh, tailor my approach to individual students a lot. Um, that's something I do with my kind of private tuition, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Trying not to, to name names or whatever, but yeah, there's individuals who say you're you're older, so you're going to struggle with flexibility. You're 20 years old; that shouldn't be a problem. You should actually achieve this easier. So I want you to work on this bit instead. And uh, you know, if you get there, um, you know, everyone's path being slightly different. Um, the the but they should end up in a similar place. Um, I think one of the problems with Taekwondo, as it's taught kind of once the karate went into the schools, is it's almost nice to build a whole class of robots all performing in sync and stuff. And that's not really fair to humans because we're not all the same, you know? As I said, one of my favorite instructors is what, six foot five, I'm five foot tall, you know? Doesn't move the same, you know? Um, I mean, every one of my students is bigger than me. Um, so how I move, my center of gravity is already lower than theirs. So, you know, um, sine wave and all the other parts is different anyway. Um, so I think it needs to be tailored for individuals. And that, that's a big part of uh, what I'd like to work on. Um, a bunch of years ago, we had um, two uh, elderly Japanese judo uh, instructors came across and uh, taught at Aberdeen uh, Judo Club. And my judo instructors up to that point had been one guy's probably 6'2", 6'3", something like that, big guy, um, 100 kilo plus, you know, yeah. good. Didn't understand how I moved. Um, and that's not a knock on him, it's just the way it was. Yeah. Uh, my brother's similar, he's, he's, he's bigger than I am. Um, but the, uh, these guys, my height, small, and they went, what you need to do? Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, okay, this is different. This is tailored to what I'm doing. And uh, just for that two hour seminar, I felt like I learned more than probably I had done in, in, in six months prior or whatever, you know? Um, so that's, that's a big part of, of my approach is I, I want to ideally have a smaller club that, you know, I can kind of tailor it. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll see if that works in, in practice, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the, the club aspirations. I, I'm working towards ideally getting my sixth done maybe next year. Um, you know, I, I constantly want to improve myself, but part of that outside is just the normal taekwondo part. Is I'm still 
working in judo. I got my black belt in that a couple of years ago, finally. I should add it 20 years ago, but I got injured and did taekwondo. Um, so I've always played at judo since then, but finally got that. But yeah, a couple other people that I'm working with, uh, uh, trying to enhance my knowledge in that way. And then that all feeds back to how I move in taekwondo as well. So, yeah. um, which obviously then influences how I teach the students. Um, yeah. But now, uh, hopefully once the... Uh, Ability to travel opens up again. You know, I'm going to be out there and, and training with as many different people as I can. And uh, yeah, that's that's my <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing I want most just now. The, I think, uh, as I say, now we've we've touched base uh, properly through the podcast. That's your name's definitely added on to someone who I'd like to like to come and actually do a bit of training with. Not, not just for the approach, but for the taekwondo yeah. as well. Sure, that'd be great. Is there anything else you would you would like to add before we finish up today? Um, I don't think so. I think it's been a, a good chat. Um, yeah, no. having a great time. I, I think. Yeah, it's good. As I say, when when you talk about taekwondo, we could sit here, we could sit here for hours and hours and just yeah. get into different different subjects. But uh, listen, Roy, that's been it's been very enjoyable. So so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me. Um, I, I, absolutely. And again, maybe maybe this time next year we can have you back on and see where where our, our, our paths have taken us <laughs> have a good night Roy. thank you so much for coming on thank you thanks Take a care lot. Of yourself. bye bye thank you bye. thanks bye